So we've killed the Facebook pages and Twitter pages for Debatable and All the Pieces Matter. Um, they were basically acting as glorified fan pages um, that we weren't using very much. Um, if you know anything about Facebook's API, in order for people to see your posts, uh, you have to promote them. You have to put money into it, and we just didn't have the money for that investment. And as far as Twitter was concerned, we weren't doing anything with those accounts other than uh, posting new episodes. It's not like we were live tweeting or doing anything with them. So basically, our social network presence was kind of pointless. So those pages got killed. Uh, Debatable and All the Pieces Matter are in the same places that they've always been. iTunes, Tumblr, um, and you can really support the shows by going on over to iTunes, subscribing so you get new episodes when they come out, and obviously leaving a rating and review. Um, You know, it uh, exposes more people to it, uh, puts the spotlight on the shows. Tell your friends and family, spread the word. So those are the places that you can usually get us, and it'll continue to be that way. If you do want to follow us on Twitter, find out when new episodes are released, and, you know, have a back and forth, have, you know, leave feedback, have a back and forth with me and Fernando. Um, I'm Mr. Greggles, M-I-S-T-E-R-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S, and uh, he is Arturo Morla, A-R-T-U-R-O-M-O-R-L-A. And uh, with that, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Debatable Podcast. Today we've got Liz and Jimmy of Cuddles and Rage talking about their new book, Sweet Competition, which is currently available. Um, This interview was recorded on October 27th, but the book came out this past week, so it's available on Amazon and your brick and mortar stores, so go get your grubby little hands on it. It's a great little book, Um, it's funny, it's cute. Um, If you know anything about Cuddles and Rage, it is right up your alley, so uh, check it out and enjoy today's episode. I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard I wish I had a better voice to sing some better words I wish I found some chords in an order that is new I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang I was told when I get older all my fears would shrink But now I'm insecure and I care what people think My name's Blurry Face and I care what you think My name's Blurry Face and I care what you think Wish we could turn back time To the good old days When the mama sang us to sleep but night to be doing interviews with him this week we had one two days ago and it's really i'm so i'm I'm really making sure that like i don't hog the mic and then i'm just like pause let jimmy speak (laughs) because because jimmy's known as the shy artist right the 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 um the affected um dark uh force behind cuddles and rage right the one in the background very reclusive and yeah, he's like my little edward scissorhands like i go up a mountain into a big castle and like bring him down sometimes right right um it's exciting it's exciting time period for you guys right now right this is this is amazing yeah every everything is happening all at once our book is coming out next week's week competition this last weekend we were just in new york premiering our first short film um so yeah it's it's crazy how 
it, you know, at times it feels super duper quiet. And then all of a sudden, like everything happens within a week period. Right, right. I was going to talk about uh, Dr. Takedo because this is something that I've watched a, a few times and um, I get a lot of enjoyment out of, um, you know, you talk about. You know, I, I was listening to our original podcast, Liz, and um, when I when I was thinking about it, it's it's interesting that you kind of say that you started Cuddles and Rage from like a dark place, and for <laughs> and for Halloween, for Halloween, Doctor Takeda, who's really in a in a very uh, weird way, kind of a um, I guess a, a piece of food serial killer, um, <laughs> quite quite an interesting short. I really loved it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because um, the past year we've really been focusing on our career in um, picture books. Yeah. And and so we for the past year we kind of lightened up a bit. And, um, you know, you can't go too dark in picture books because that's too scary. <laughs> so I, I think um, coming off of that and then going into doing a short like um, Cooking with Dr. Dequito, it was just kind of like here's this release of all this like crazy twisted dark humor mm-hmm. um, that we're revisiting, um, you know, after coming off of doing some kid friendly stuff. And it was really, really fun to get back into like, you know, how far can we push this? Um, and, and how dog can we go while being like educational and teaching people cooking tips at the same time? <laughs> Absolutely. Did you, um, did you time it so that it would come with the book or was it something separately that you guys were developing for the, the food film fest? Yeah, it just happened to happen at the same time, really. I mean, when you're working on books and, uh, it's usually a pretty long lead time there. Um, and this short came together very quickly, actually, as we were looking to get into the festival, we, we met, uh, one of the guys involved with it a few years ago when we were doing a comic show in New York and he said we should do something for it sometime. And we finally got around to doing that. So when we were wrapped up with the book itself and we're kind of moving into promotion mode, we, like Liz said, we wanted to delve back a little bit into some of the slightly darker stuff we do. Um, and so it all came together very quickly there, uh, right after the book was done. How does that work out? The film, uh, the food, was it the film food fest or the food film fest? Uh, food film fest. There we go. Yeah. How does it work out? Like, as I understand it, do you also make something like a, a dish that people enjoy to go along with your short film? Yeah. So, um, it, it was interesting. It was our first year actually attending it. Um, and it's a fantastic fest. I recommend um, anybody um, going into New York. I believe it's always in October. So if you're in New York in October, then you should totally try and attend it because I feel like it's a mixture of like people who are filmmakers and then people who are also like chefs slash like hire people to like shoot a film about them. Um, so it was an interesting mix. And so, um, so the people who are kind of um, already chefs, like they'll go there and they'll prepare their food and you, you'll eat their food while you're watching their short film. Oh, and for the people who kind of are maybe filmmakers focusing on food, um, then they have um, a chef um, for the festival who will make a, a dish based on on your short. And so that's, that's who we teamed up with. And we we're really, really thankful because – um, you know, even though our dish for the film was this like very simple um, toasted marshmallow um, stuffed with a chocolate, gan- is it ganache? Is mm-hmm. it? Um, with um, graham cracker like, sprinkles. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, awesome. yeah, yeah, we, we do not have any food licenses, so we could not prepare that. But um, they, they, they understood that and, and really hooked us up and, and really celebrated our humor and design. We got to go on stage and talk about the short. Um, it was really one of the most incredible experiences in my film That's career great. that I've had to date. Oh, it was awesome. The, the food was amazing. Like Liz said, it just so cool to be around so many foodies, but uh, but also film lovers. And it was this perfect combination of of those two things. And like she was saying, the cool thing about this festival is you eat what you see on screen. Right. So a lot of these were short films, maybe a minute, two minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd show this amazing chef preparing this ridiculous looking dish and then boom, in your face, here's the yeah. dish. And it's not even like, I, I think a lot of people when they think about the um, New York um, food scene, they think of maybe it's like pretentious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's either like awesome slices of pizza from like a street vendor or like really pretentious food. (laughs) And this is just like a beautiful mix of like really high quality food, but fun. Mm -hmm. Like though you you take a shop before (laughs) the, you know, the, the film start and there's like a DJ and people are dancing. Oh yeah. Okay. And there's an after party too, where there's even more food stuff. Like you are so full at the end of this festival and there's like, um, free booze throughout and so people are just genuinely like celebrating the art and the food at the same time which I, I have never experienced that anywhere else it sounds like a great experience I just got back from um, Fantastic Fest um, um, yeah. and oh it was it was wonderful and it was like it, it was like that for the week that we were there you know um, it's very much like when do you find the time to sleep <laughs> because there's just you know wall to wall movies and then between between that uh, delicious food, perfect place, Austin, Texas, and uh, of course, drink. Um, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about the um, about the actual short. So, uh, what was the the production of that? Because I know that you've done short, short things like maybe the 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 length of a Vine video before, right? Yeah, we have. Right, we've we've got some pretty short things that we've done. Um, so this was different for us, trying to do something a bit. longer in length and and kind of do the whole thing. So from scoring to um, working with the sound effects, that was all stuff we wanted to work on uh, together, which was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, and I think, you know, we had this amazing opportunity presented to us. And just because we didn't have everything all figured out, we didn't want to say no to it. So I think you hear a lot of times like people like getting into a creative field, they say yes to a lot of things before they actually know how to do it. And that's kind of what happened with this one is, you know, I've done a, a few short animations as GIFs in Photoshop. And so for this one, um, I actually animated everything in Photoshop, which is so not traditional. Right. I mean, you can do it, but that is not the software that animators recommend. <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, but that was the way that we could do it. Those are That's what we have. And so um, we did that, and Jimmy scored everything. What was the... Um, the software you used? Oh, Logic Pro. Yeah, Logic yeah. Pro. Yeah, and you, you, got to, you got to be a little John Carpenter. Oh, man, any oh. chance I get. Dude, it's like amazing. that was the only concert that I ever cried at was the <laughs> John Carpenter cry- <laughs> concert. It was amazing. That's great. Um, but, yeah, so basically, um, you know, Dr. Dakita is a character that we've had since the very start of our comic, <laughs> Cuddles and Rage. And so he's somebody that we know really well. And so we just wrote this story and, and just did it piece by piece. Has, and he, has he always had a nefarious background? <laughs> Dude, oh, yeah. he's been bananas. Like, he's always been a really dark character. And at times, like, 
when we lightened up our comic, just thinking that like, oh, maybe that's what our audience want wants, um, you know, Dr. Kido would fade out, but then we'd be like, no, we really love Dr. Kido. So we'd like sneak him back in and people would be like, we love Dr. Kido. It's like, <laughs> okay, but let's, let's not deny like what you're really good at. Like, let's like embrace this dude. And that really feels true this past week and a half that, that you know, he's yeah. really somebody who's just part of us. That's true. That's awesome. Jimmy, um, early in uh, the, the, you know, the concept of Cuddles and Rage, I wanted to touch on this since uh, Liz just mentioned it. Um, it seems like, you know, the, 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 the fluffy colors, the feminine look to it, the thing that she brought up in the last podcast, um, it seems like that is, you know, part of the aesthetic that kind of sells also, you know, the joke, you know, sells the joke for whatever the cuteness factor is. Is that like something like what do you bring to it? Do you feel, you know, is it the sense of humor that you guys both dig on or when it when it originated, where did it start there? Because it obviously didn't end. I mean, it didn't end in the same place that it started, right? No, definitely not. That's uh, that's such an interesting question. I mean, I think that's been an evolution the look of it has. And it was, we look back, I mean, you know, on our website, we have everything posted from when we started and mm-hmm. it's kind of horrifying to look back. Not, oh, not even that fun, far. Fun. Yeah. It's fun. Fun's the word. Fun's the word. Yeah. You're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think as Liz has done a lot of work really with the, the colors that are involved in making a palette for us. And, and she's got such a great eye for that. And that, that color, in terms of what I bring to it, I mean, we write most things together. When we're writing stories, we do a lot of that together. Mm-hmm. Um, and character design is something that we work on together, too. I mean, we both have sketchbooks that we keep on us pretty much all the time. And so we, we're constantly showing each other ideas. I mean, when this thing started, it was we were at bar trivia <laughs> and yeah. just kind of sketching in between questions and uh, trying to make each other laugh. And I think that's been the, the through line through it for us has been just kind of these twisted combinations of things. I mean, right. even the name cuddles and rage, it's about taking something that might be sweet and mix it with something that's a little bit sour. And you get this interesting composition out of that. Yeah. And you don't know this, but I was on the phone with like the woman, like looked at our name was like, Cuddles and Rage. Cuddles and Rage. It's like, I don't know why, but that sounds really funny. It's like, that's our goal. You, you just go. made my day. Thank you so much. That's all you need. You need those those bone-colored business cards, just yeah. Cuddles and Rage, nothing else. Clean, <laughs> clean and simple. <laughs> yeah, we'll go all like American Psycho yep, yeah, yeah. for business cards. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, that's interesting too because I mean like you guys are coming to a kind of a, a, a fruition type part you know we were talking about branding last time and um, yeah franchising this idea that's you know obviously you're making short films and I'm imagining that that's gonna you know keep uh, uh, blowing apart becoming bigger and bigger and then on this uh, on the other hand you have finally a, a real tangible object a book that's coming out um next week and that's a humongous thing in and of itself i mean you know when people talk about like the simpsons going from being a tv show to being a movie or or something that starts small and then becomes a bigger thing it's like you need to bring your best you need to take it to the next level um when it becomes a feature film or it becomes a book that's going to come out in stores how did you guys settle on sweet competition how did that concept boil to the surface what was that you know what is that bringing to the table that your previous work was just leading to the way that we got into picture books is is such a non-traditional approach 
Um, basically, we were doing like comic conventions and just showing off our dark humored comics mm-hmm. with our mixed media art, which I should mention we do like drawn illustrations like that Dr. Dequito short, but we also do like sculpted dioramas, which is is really what made us stand out from the pack and um, get a lot of attention through like teaming up with Hello Giggles, which is this website that Zoe Deschanel um, founded to, you know, like going to the comic conventions and getting editors coming up to us saying, I love your style. You should do a picture book. So getting into the picture book industry wasn't really something that like we said, right. It was something in the back of our head that we wanted Mm -hmm. to do, but we didn't like seek it out right away. But when enough publishers come to you and say, you should do this, that's, you listen and you're you're like, you know what? Yeah, we should totally do this. So, you know, for us, we got an agent and we had this book that we um, were passing around and, um, thank God that book didn't go through because a similar book came out. Um, so it kind of, it kind of worked itself out, but from showing that little pitch that we had, um, our publisher Harper Collins was like, you know what? Like this might not be the book for us, but you, you too, as a brand and, and as a style and your sense of humor, we love that. And we want to work with you. And, and they signed us right away. And, and so within that process, um, we didn't have a book, but we we did get an opportunity to pitch to them like a handful of ideas and work directly with an editor and say, okay, out of these five ideas, you know, sweet competition bubbled up as the one that we wanted to pursue. And so from there, we wrote the story and we worked really hand in hand with our editor, Alexander Cooper. I mean, she's amazing. We were we were pretty green going into this process and, right. and she was very sweet and patient with us and and kind of showed us the ropes and I think that's that's the thing for anybody like no matter if you want to get into like picture books or filmmaking or you want to write your big novel you're not gonna know everything going into it but you're Mm -hmm. gonna learn so much along the way and that's the key thing is just to recognize that if you're open to learning something new and and we continue to learn like that that never stops we're gonna be 80 and like still learning but that's what people want they want to work with like happy people who are willing to listen and are willing to grow with you along the way. And I think that's why, you know, we've had so much success in our career and, and landing a picture book deal while, when not actually having a picture book to show for it at the time. Right. What's the criticism like, you know, because I know that you guys deal with, you know, uh, uh, the, the interlocking criticism between the two of you when you're coming up with ideas and, you know, thrashing and getting that, you know, refined and everything. But how does that work when you guys are being, you know, you're getting criticism or getting feedback from a publisher or from an editor? Um, how do you deal with that? Especially, you know, considering I'm, I'm guessing that Sweet Competition went through several stages. I'm guessing it didn't start and end the same place. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And because we we do both the writing and the illustration, it's kind of double duty on that because you, you've got feedback coming at you about the story, but you also have feedback coming at you about the art and, and how those things are working together. Um, so I, I think that working well, two things here. I think working together and having constant feedback with another person that's working on the creative thing with you really helped prepare us for that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, people who are creating art on their own don't always have that built in sort of mechanism to to check in and how's this going and, and what works and what doesn't. Um, so that's been helpful. But also putting your stuff on the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, you know, you, you hear all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, I, I think what we learned through that process is because we're developing these things and we know it can be 
better with more feedback and more revision and more editing. We're not locked off to hearing that kind of stuff. It helps us to make the story the best story it can be. So when someone with a different angle from us or, or a, uh, you know, a better understanding of the marketplace or whatever that might be has a suggestion. We're totally open to that. Right. Yeah. And I think what I tell everybody is, I mean, you always hear um, directors or creatives say, like, don't be afraid to, like, kill your babies. And that's totally true. Like, don't get too attached to one idea. Like, you know, we, we always feel like if somebody wants more from us, like more ideas, and we'll be able to pitch them, like, 10 more, 20 more, 100 mm-hmm. more ideas. And that's that's totally fine. We know that's part of the process. And and I also say that, like, sure, if you do have that one idea that you are, like, so attached to and, like, five years later or 10 years mm-hmm. right, later, you're still thinking about it. Technology is wonderful now. You can do that yourself. So you can do that independently and just get it out of your system. But know that like when you're doing such a beautiful creative thing with somebody else, like really embrace that and get into the creative zone with them and know that, you know, it might not be the same thing that is in your head, but it's still going to be this amazing creative thing. And you're going to make something even better. Like that's what I discovered in my creative relationship with Jimmy is that like we might come to the same idea with like different approaches. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you talk through it and you have this, we, we've built up this crazy level of trust. Like, we could totally trust fall on each other right now. <laughs> I, I, I would like to, <laughs> I'd like to book another time for that. <laughs> but, but, you, but you know that, like, as crazy as the words might sound coming out of their mouth and you might not be able to visual it in that second, like, you know it's genius and you know it's something that you can work with. It just, sometimes it just takes time to, like, simmer in. I don't think people realize when they're talking to somebody else that sometimes you just need to like take a second and think yeah. about it before yeah. dismissing it. Like yeah. never ever dismiss an idea right away. Like right when you hear it, that's the biggest mistake you can make in a Absolutely. creative partnership. Absolutely. And coming from, you know, uh, coming from a, a film school background and, and being, and being, you know, so, so cinephile based um, as I, as I am. And as, as you guys are too, I feel like, you know, w- the people that I went to school with were all these guys that thought they were the next Kubrick or the next Tarantino and they would take their half-assed idea and say no I'm not changing this for anyone I'm an auteur and all this stuff and you would be around all these guys that would never be open to um to collaboration and to um taking someone's criticism that I I can't tell you how many people I met in uh school that just really could not handle criticism well. And I think that that really is where ideas stagnate. If you cannot take criticism, if you cannot uh, admit something is is uh, half-assed or you're, you're only approaching it in, in a very hackneyed way sometimes, that's not to say that you don't have good ideas. But if you have an idea and you're not willing to kind of tear it apart and say, oh, no, it still works, even when it's torn apart. Um, If it doesn't work when it's torn apart, then you should definitely think about changing it or at least letting someone's criticism, you know, help you out. Yeah, totally. And we were just in a meeting um, and, you know, in New York this past weekend. And and one of the things that got brought up is we just mentioned that, like, we love rejection. Like, Mm -hmm. please totally reject us because, you know, what that. (laughs) That does for us. It just it brings us back and it makes us stronger. Like we are always trying to achieve to be like better, to be our our very very best. And you know when somebody says no to something, 
whether it's an idea or whether it's to some completed thought, like a film that you just made, you know, then you just know that like you, you get back up. I think the most successful people in this world have been rejected a hundred times over and they're so numb to it. Like that's like really like the key thing that you can do for yourself right now is just put yourself out there in uncomfortable situations and just, you know, just be doing it and, and realize that, if somebody quote unquote rejects you or rejects your idea, it's not you. There's yeah. there's no like emotional attachment there. Exactly. Do you like saying uh, when I was in New York this weekend? Do you like saying phrases like? I'm just gonna say it ten more times, and you should take a shot every time I say it. Because like, come next week, I'm gonna have to be like two weekends ago when I was in New York. It doesn't have the same ring as like when I was in DC. Because I think this is right about February when we're getting ready to go back. Then it becomes in a couple weeks when I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can turn it around. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited for it, guys. I really am. Um, it, can you, can you kind of synopsize? I know that it's hard to synopsize, kind of like a, a picture book when, when it's got such a finite story. But is there something? Is there a sell? Is there a plug that you can do for the, the book that listeners can kind of get an idea? Totally. Um, Sweet Competition is about these cherry twins who compete over everything. (laughs) So they enter a Sunday competition to see who's really the best. And so within the book, like we have these like ridiculously awesome, crazy Sundays. So it's this this huge mix of like our cuddles and rage, like foodie aspect with um, the cuteness and sweetness of Kid Lit brought in there. So <laughs> it's, it's been a really fun experience. And and we had a lot of fun coming up with our main characters, the Cherry Twins, because both Jimmy and I are we come from like families with just two kids. And I have a brother and Jimmy has a sister and um like especially when we first started dating we talked about like how my brother would beat up on me and i think you beat up on your sister let's talk more about that let's talk more about jimmy beating up his sister <laughs> how does it how does it feel now like tell me kind of what your demographic breakdown is like as far as your fans go i kind of get the idea of of who they are from, you know, the people that follow you on the internet. But um, I got to imagine there's a little more of a, a family aspect to it, little kids and everything. Did you did you think that that would have that sort of attraction? I mean, obviously, you know, these are, you know, cute things. Yeah, definitely, that's true that, um, I mean, especially when we do conventions, because Liz will sculpt stuff for the convention, so we'll sell magnets or other things that are made out of the, the clay we used in the book. And uh, kids are so just directly pulled into that stuff right. and want to play with it and pick it up. And, and that's awesome. Um, you know, th- it is an interesting thing for us trying to figure out how we fit into the world. Because, I mean, really, pretty much anywhere we go, we seem to be slightly out of place there, right? So we go right. to a comic convention, but we're not really mm-hmm. comics like a lot of the other comic people are. Right. Or we go to a craft show, and we're not really crafts. Like So I, I love that about our work is that we, we're kind of slightly off-center from uh, anything we end up in, but we're also able to fit into a whole bunch of different worlds. And so you know that has been something that we've, we've focused a lot on is we do have different demographics. There are different people that come looking at our stuff. So... Uh, you know, our picture book world obviously is really kind of pulling into that that family aspect and the kids um, who love the look of our characters and the colors that we're using. Um, but things like Dr. Dequito, you know, that's where we're able to put that in front right. of an audience that appreciates the, the edgier humor and the different mm-hmm. things we're doing. Yeah, and I think that, you know, 
in case a kid like picks up a book like Cooking with Dr. Dikito. Like we've always had some hard fast rules with our work that like we won't swear in it. It's just not our style. Mm-hmm. And um oh I feel like there was another one. <laughs> um I'm just it's no, no fine, nudity, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. I oh, mean we we're did, not gonna be we did put a naked banana in the National Building Museum. That's right, about right, as yeah. nudity you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess we just don't try, you know, it gets a little violent, but it's not like we we put like blood in our right. comics, it's all like with a fun little cute twist. Yeah, right, right, right. And you know, it's, it's, it's bubble wrapping. You don't need to be like, uh, you know, categorized, you know, nowadays. It's, it's a, a great thing to kind of blur these lines, blur this media and everything. I think people, uh, you know, gravitate to things that are unique in and of themselves. They're not something that can just be be like, well, this is kid stuff, or you know, this is stuff that's that's only at craft shows or or uh, um, SPX or whatever, you know. So yeah, I think that 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 is an advantage of of this kind of brand. Yeah, but I will say on the flip side, like for people that get into um, that want to get into picture books professionally, mm-hmm. there is a hard science to it, and and there is like certain vocabulary you have to use. I think like talking to a lot of people who go to like small press expo and see people like wanting to write for children, mm-hmm. it's like go go buy like a children's thesaurus like that's perfect for any like picture book writer is that like if you're thinking of a big word and you need a smaller word that'll work for a picture book like that that thesaurus will help you there (laughs) um so it's just like weird little things like that where i feel like people i mean and and the content as well like actually in in sweet competition we had to make some changes and just you just might not think about how your humor would translate to a little kid because when a child reads a picture book, like they see themselves as the main character. Uh-huh. So you don't want anything like too dark and twisted mm-hmm. to happen to that main character. Cause like, Oh my gosh, how scary for it. That's like total nightmare material Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. for a kid to see that happening to themselves. It seems like you have to have a psychology degree <laughs> to, to write a picture book. There, there are degrees and you know, for that. And it's true. And I feel like, you know, really amazing, you know, kid lit editors like know all these things and and they're there to guide you and to make sure that you know you're making a book that is truly kid friendly so as your audience grows older are you going to be going into ya and then later you know the the dark stephen king universe of cuddles and rage is it going to grow with the audience (laughs) I hey mean, I think we'll go anywhere. I think to Jimmy's <laughs> point, like we're we're never like a hundred percent comfortable in one right. category or one genre. Right. I mean, I think we will just always pursue like what's funny to us and what's fun at that time. Right on. Well, give some plugs. Where can the people buy the book? First of all, are you doing Amazon? Are you doing a particular place? Yeah, yeah, it's it's available pretty much anywhere books are sold. Um, but yeah, Amazon is is kind of where we've been pointing people. Yeah. We have a, a tiny URL, so tinyurl.com uh, sweet comp. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll get you to the Amazon page for that. There's um, also IndieBound and Barnes & Noble and... Um, Target I, has it. Yeah, yeah HarperCollins main Fantastic. page. I think on, on Tuesday when the book comes out, we'll definitely be going to like a Barnes & Noble. Yeah, Maybe a yeah. Target too. We'll just hit all of them <laughs> and then we'll just like touch our book in the store. <laughs> that's, that's you know, I've, I've known two people that have had that experience and and knowing that person, you know, so so well, um, kind of, you know, th- this, you know, having the same experience of a, of a well-conditioned uh, uh author in in our lifetime it's not like uh, um uh published books 
have had the same oomph um, that they did, say, in the 80s or the 70s, simply because of ebooks and the internet and everything. But to me, I feel like it makes it even more special. You know, when you get around to actually tangibly holding that thing that you made in your hand, that that's something that's unmatched, I think. For sure. I mean, yeah, the other thing, too, that, that we think about is this is the first time that people can get our thing without us handing it to them. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it was really weird just to get the advanced copy of our oh. book because you, you get it, like, pretty much a year after you've made the thing. Yeah. And <laughs> it kind of brings back all these memories. You're, and, and, like, all, like, the, the crazy, like, stress to meet a deadline. But then you have this beautiful baby of a book, and you're yeah. like, we made this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this what it feels like to bear a child? I don't know. <laughs> this is the closest I've gotten so far. This could be the start of a wonderful thing. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> guys, thank you so much. So um, you are Cuddles and Rage on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Liz. Yeah, we're Cuddles and Rage on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. On Snapchat, we're Cuddles and Rage with an N. And I think that's pretty Liz much has, Liz has a great oh. podcast. Oh, yes. Yes, people I think are cool, where I interview creative people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I should also mention that we have a YouTube channel where you can find Cooking with Dr. Dequito. Yes. Um, and we'll be doing more animated shorts. And, and like we said earlier, our Picture Book Sweet competition is out November 1st. And you can get that at uh, wherever books are sold. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so happy for you. Dr. Keto, I want to see 12 billion more. <laughs> Just make its That's own YouTube. That's a lot of I'll be seeing that when you're in your 90s, I'm sure. You'll still be doing it. Okay, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Jimmy, we're going to have you back. We're going to talk about some real movies and, you know, get to the get down to the, the nitty gritty of uh, what makes you tick. Hey, man, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. <laughs> have a good one. Thank right, you. We'll see you. Yeah. See ya. Got your mother in the world. She's not sure if you're a boy or a girl. Hey, baby, your hair's all right. Hey, baby, stay out tonight. You like me and you like it all. You love dancing and you look divine. You love bands when they play it hard. You want more and you want it fast. Put you down. 